have given us eternal life, have given us everything that we need to praise and worship our Lord and Savior, because you have given us the power, the authority to do so, and we do believe that. We pray in, Je we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, we too offer up our worship, our praise, our studies unto you today. Father, we thank you for moving already in this service so that our hearts would be ripe to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to each one of us tonight, today, and not only hear it, but apply it in our lives. Without the application, Lord, we're just hearing things that go in one ear and the world calls it out the other or over the top of our head. But Lord, we want to hear what the Holy Spirit says. We want to apply it to our life and we want to live for you this coming year, 2022, Lord. We give it to you afresh and anew today. I give you myself, Lord, afresh and anew, not just part of me, but all of me for your glory your honor, your praise, so that when people come up to this place or come to this pulpit or tune into the, the internet, Lord, and watch our service or listen to it down the road, that they would know that Jesus is glorified. We know, Lord, as you're glorified, as our, your Savior, our Savior, your Son is glorified. We know, Father, that you receive glory, and that's what we want to do. Praise you. The glorious God and Father who thought up this plan of redemption from before the world began. And you chose these people, Lord, to serve you with all of our hearts. And Lord, we wish to do so. To you be the glory for it. And give us the helper, your Holy Spirit, to get us on the right track and to help us take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to all the world. The good news that he has come. He is, he was crucified, dead, and buried, and he is risen the third day according to the scriptures. That's as simple as it gets. If people would just enter it into their heart, they would know, and they would have a new life. They'd be new creatures, a new heart. And boy, we know, Lord, looking at the news, that the world needs a new heart, all of us, because our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Thank you, Lord, for coming into our hearts and clean out the muck and the mire within it and for putting our feet on a solid rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, this year is dedicated to you and your glory as is every other year. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. For those on the internet, we're glad you're here. Uh, thank you. You're saying, hey, look at there's there's Christmas songs and it's after Christmas. You know what? For you, Christmas is every day. Amen. So don't be surprised if we play them in July. <laughs> you know what? Christmas is every day for the Christian. That's why you're called a little Christ. And Christ came, died, and was buried for you. Listen, today I mentioned earlier that we have communion, but before we go into that, there's people that just tuned in. and You're watching Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're there. Um, you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can check us out, who we are, what we believe in. We're a full council uh, church, Christian church, the full gospel of God we teach in Christ Jesus. And um, and you can tune in every, every Sunday at 10 a.m. at freedomchurchpb.org and Thursday night at 715 uh, this Thursday, we're going to resume our services. I'll be in First John chapter 4. Um, and on Sunday, we're going to start back up on our study in Matthew. We're in chapter 8. And this is the fifth week that we'll be spending in one chapter. We're really digging in to the scriptures to find out what's, what's really behind it. We don't just want it to go over our head or in this ear and out that ear. We want to take it in, apply it in our heart. Now, the Word of God says to digest it. We've got to digest the Word of God. And, and just like the Bereans did, take what you hear, check it with the Word, and find out, you know, and grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But today we have communion. Uh, before we, we go on, we're going to have communion. So if 
if someone would pass out the elements. I think I hit everything on on uh, online. Oh, Saturday men's meeting. That's right. Thank you, Jim. Every Saturday, 9 a.m., right here, 2810 High Paluxo Road, we have a men's Bible study. We'll be there this Saturday. The last two Saturdays we weren't there because it was Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So, you know, the guys should be all fired up for this Saturday coming. So um, come on by, uh, 9 a.m., Saturday morning. While they're passing out the elements, I just want to read a, a passage from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read the ninth verse and onward. Then he said, this is Jesus it's referring to, Sacrifice and offering and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, this is Jesus talking, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that's the first covenant, and establishes the new. By that will we have been sanctified, sanctified through the offering of, his, of the body of Jesus once and for all. So we see from that passage that at the, at the Passover dinner, where Jesus was arrested shortly after in the garden, Jesus had took away the old covenant to establish the new covenant, which is in his blood. The old covenant was a covenant of, of death, really. But the new covenant is a covenant of life in his blood. And he took away that. He fulfilled it. He didn't throw it out. It still exists. He fulfilled it. And now he established the new covenant, which is in his blood. And we know that when Jesus sat down at the uh, Passover supper with the disciples, there was no lamb there. Did you realize that? Read, read the uh, scriptures. There was no lamb at this Passover supper. The only lamb that was there was the lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. And that's why the disciples got a little perturbed whenever Jesus talked to Judas and Jesus said, go do what you have to do. They thought that Jesus told uh, Judas to to go out and buy a lamb, to get a lamb, and they you know and um, they he he wasn't telling them that, so it was kind of uh, perfectly fit there so that it wasn't given away as to who was going to betray him I guess and uh, other passages you could refute a little bit of that but I'm just telling you the only lamb at this Passover was the Lamb of God according to John. 129, who's going to take away the sins of the world. And he did that by, the scriptures say that by his stripes we are healed. And you're talking about the stripes that were on Jesus' back, put there by the lector that used the cat of nine tails to whip Jesus. And I tell everybody, and they, a lot of them don't agree with me, but the Jews would have a person whipped 39 times, no more than 40, so they'd stop at 39. But this wasn't punishment of the Jews. This was punishment from the Roman army. It could have been 10. It could have been 110. The lector's job was to get a confession out of the person they were whipping to confession to the crime that he did. And Jesus would not confess to being king of the Jews because he was the king of the Jews. Therefore, he even passed that test. Now, these stripes are for you, for your broken body. Psalm 103, verses, one, 103 verses uh, 3, I believe, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sin, who heals all your diseases, and delivers your life from the pit. By his stripes, we are healed. Let's claim it and live it. Let's partake together. At the supper also, he took the wine cup. And he said, take and drink, for this is my blood that will be shed for you. This is the blood, church. I mean, this is the literal blood. This is a symbol of the blood that was shed for you. But this blood 
that we remember Jesus is the blood that washes our sins white as snow. Oh, blessed be in the name of the Lord. When I think of back even before I was a Christian or even while I was a Christian, I say, God, you sure are merciful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Lord, we lift this cup to you and we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. We are so unworthy, but we love you so much because you proved your love to us, demonstrating it to us through the cross and your death and your resurrection to, to wash away our sins. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. I, I, uh, I tell you every day, you know, every time you eat morning, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you should be remembering the Lord's broken body and shed blood. That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. Every day you're going to be doing it, even at snack time. So, you know what, what, you know what the Lord was saying? Don't forget me all the time. Never forget me. So, anyway, before we go on, you get your Bible out. You can turn to Acts chapter 27. I'm going to start at the 21st verse. But before we go there, we have a special um, announcement to do. I'm going to, in a, in a minute, I'm going to invite Matt up here. I want to remind you that we support a missionary called Brett and Nona, you know, and their two children that went back down to Brazil to, to, to I don't know, supercharge the church that they started years ago. Do you know they were supposed to come back before Christmas? Do you know they're still in Brazil? They are still in Brazil. That's why they're not here. What happened, some of the paperwork got messed up on little, uh, messed up on Johan on the United States side that they made them stay down there until this was all rectified. The point is they, when they left to come home before Christmas, they, they weren't in Recife where the ministry was going on. I think they were in Sao Paulo. Is that it? Rio. They went to Rio to get their flight, you know, back to the United States. And uh, they, they snagged their paperwork, and they've been there the whole time. And, of course, they're very discouraged, I'm sure. They wanted to get home for Christmas. But you know what? Let's look at this from the spiritual side. God needed them there. For what reason? We may never find out. Maybe when we get to heaven, somebody will walk up to Brett and Nona and the kids and say, thank you for telling me about Jesus. So keep them in prayer. They're supposed to be out tomorrow, maybe. Uh, uh, Brett contacted me, left me a, a message, and he said we should be out of here in four, three or four days or something like that. So I think that may be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Keep them in your prayers, you know. Um, also, Matt, I mentioned last week um, that that our brother Matt is, uh, you know, he graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic College with a bachelor's degree in Christian ministry. It was a biblical studies ministry and uh he's headed to brazil also next month early part of next month or i think he's leaving at the end of this month january so i invited him up here to to um to give a short detail of what's going to happen and we would you know he's going to seek prayer and support from from our church but i got to read this passage to you it's first corinthians chapter three verses five through eight who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? Who then is Brett and Nona and uh, Matt, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he that waters, but God who gives the increase. And there's the verse I want you to know. This is very important. Now he who plants, that would be the missionary, and he who waters, that would be some more missionaries, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. These missionaries are laboring in a foreign land to win souls over to Christ, and hopefully the last one will be coming up soon. But these missionaries are there, and not only do they need your prayer support, but they need your financial support. Um, and I want you to know that you're going to be rewarded 
according to your work and to yours ministry to give to missions. That was our command from our captain. You know, he said, go and make disciples. Matt's going to be teaching English in Brazil, you know, to people, men and women that speak Portuguese are going to teach him. He's going to teach them English so that they can go and minister in other English-speaking countries. And I know they have a couple of trips planned, and may, Matt may share that. I don't know. They have a couple, uh, you know, missionary uh, trips planned during the time he's going to be there. He'll be gone for at least six months, maybe even more. So I want to welcome Matt up here, and he's going to tell you a little more about it. And as we move closer towards the end of the, before he's leaving, uh, you know, we're going to find out a little more about it. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Good morning, everyone. Um, not going to speak for, you know, too long, just a minute or two. Um, and yeah, as Pastor Joe said, I just wanted to uh, come today and just officially announce, uh, even though he's already mentioned, I wanted to officially announce that I'm going to be heading to Brazil as a missionary uh, at the end of this month, um, shooting for shooting to leave at uh, a January 30th or 31st. Um, and I'm going to be part of a uh, ministry there called YWAM. YWAM has uh, mission bases all over the world um, in, I think, almost every country of the world. We're going to be working specifically with an English school, as Pastor Joe said, that not just training anybody, just anybody to speak English, but training Brazilian missionaries uh, to speak English so that they can go to many, many other nations uh, all over the world uh, as missionaries themselves. And um, it may sound, I don't know how it, how it sounds to you, or may sound a little strange to think about this, because uh, it did for me at first, but Brazil is in this moment right now where I believe God is just doing something so amazing there, and like many, many people are just open to the gospel. They're being saved. The church is is growing spiritually in strength, and the Brazilians, like the Christian Brazilians that I know, they're just ready. They're ready to go. They're ready to proclaim the gospel to to nations, to their cities. To, they're just ready to serve the Lord with all their hearts, and they're on fire. And so now their God, I believe, is raising them up. Um, I, and I think even the one of the it may be an older statistic, but one of the statistics I read is they're actually the number two missionary sending country in the world now, only second to us. And uh, I think that's only growing. So uh, to learn English for them opens up many, many doors to many other countries and places. Um, and so that's what I will will be a part of um, and be able to help them as a native English speaker uh, to be able to learn the language and be raised up. Um, to go to their, fill, fulfill their respective callings. Uh, explain a little more in the letter, and I don't want to, you know, belabor the, the hour anymore today. I just wanted to make the announcement, let you guys know, and uh, let you guys also know um, uh, two other things. Uh, the first thing is about the letter, which Pastor Joe just, just handed to you. As I said, it explains a little more of the basics of where I'm going, what I'll be doing, and how you guys can be involved if if you so choose uh, to, or if God so leads you to. Uh, so yeah, that would be amazing if you guys could just read over the letter at home or sometime today, and um, and let me know if God's leading you, if you have an interest to be involved in any way. Um, and the second thing is on Sunday, January twenty third, which is I believe three Sundays from today. We're going to have here at the church a Mission Sunday where I'll do a little presentation. I'll explain a lot more details about the mission. Um, and I just want to share also on that day an encouraging word with you related uh, to world missions. So that's about it. I think I'm going to uh, come back for the next uh, couple weeks and just remind you guys that we're going to be having that service um, and continue to just uh just announce this and yeah i really appreciate you taking the time to to listen to read the letter and uh and all that stuff and i i really just want to thank you you know as a church um it's coming here for the last couple of years i feel like god has really has really ministered to me a lot 
through this church, and I'm just really happy to know you guys. So uh, thank you again, and I'm going to give it back over to Pastor Joe. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. You know, we're not a really big church, but we have a heart for missions. There's many people here that give the missions every every week or every other week. It's amazing. So and for a lot, of, a lot of churches have forgot about missions today. I don't want to forget about missions because, you know, I, I was discipled in a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. <laughs> and I was the elder uh, of, of the missionaries. You know, I was an elder, but I was in charge of the missionaries. And we would have two conferences every year. And we would bring missionaries who were assigned to certain churches that were in on furlough. And they came. They would go away for five years. They'd come back for a year, and during that year, you know, they would be put up to stay in people's homes or whatever. And they would, uh, they would, they would have to speak twice a year at different conferences. And they could, they would be about two or three at every conference. There would be maybe one from Africa, one from, you know, uh, Brazil, you know. And they would, and we would do a dinner every Friday with one of those missionaries of the food from Africa or Brazil or whatever, which was really cool. But it stirred up the people to give to, to, to missions because that's why I read 1 Corinthians 3, 8, is you will also be rewarded for your support of those missionaries because, you know, you, know, you can't go, but you can pray, you can financially help, and anything else you might do. If you're, you know, when I went to Brazil last time, Matt and I went to Brazil with, with uh, the only ones from this church that went, me and Matt, we went to Brazil, and, you know, one of the people here's daughter was a dentist. And, boy, they brought in boxes of, like, toothpaste and toothbrushes and stuff like that. And even that, God will reward you for that, you know. These people need it. I've been in Guatemala. Their teeth are really bad in Guatemala. And I'll tell you what, they needed the... Uh, you know, some uh, uh, care for their teeth. So, and we did that over there. They like soap and stuff like that. So, um, keep missionary in mind. You know what? If we, that was our commission to go and tell, make disciples. So, we can't forget that in this coming year. So, I'm, I'm really uh, blessed that God would, um, would use this little church to help missionaries. So, and that, that's what we're doing. We've been faithful in that area, and I, I thank you all for doing it. You know, a lot of churches, you know, when you send money to a missionary, they send it to a group. You send it to a, a place, you know, and they, they take 10% of what you sent in, and then two months later, the missionary gets the, 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 the gift. Well, Freedom Church is different than that. If you give cash in the box or whatever, check in the box, you know, oh, this church is going to double that. Where if he gives you, if somebody gives $100, we're going to give them $200 to leave because that's my heart. And uh, as long as I can, we can afford it at Freedom Church. So thank you, and I just had to get that in because this is important. Missionary work is very, very important. And not only Matt, he's going to be in the head honchos there. He's going to be the leadership that's teaching them English so that they go out. <laughs> you know, that's like he's, he's not going out one-on-one. -on -one. He's sending maybe 50 out. I don't know how many. So anyway, so praise the Lord. Turn to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. I'm going to start at the 21st verse, and I'm going to read... Uh, pretty good uh, passage up to verse 44 and the title of this message is anchors on which to cling anchors on which to cling already you got signs going off it must have been the shipwreck Paul's shipwreck yeah well, you're right verse 21 I'm reading from the Christian standard version it's James uh, Charles Spurgeon that's what he used the Christian standard version because New Era American Standard and the New King James Bibles weren't even out yet. Of course, the King James was. But this is the Christian Standard Version. Verse 21, Acts 27. 
Since they've been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up amongst them and said, You men should have followed my advice and not to sail from Crete and, and sustain this damage and this loss. Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong, and to whom I serve, stood by me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar, and indeed God will graciously give you all who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just as the way it was told to me. But he, but we have to run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea. About And about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings and found it to be 120 feet deep. Then they sailed a little further and sounded again, and they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then, fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and play, prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea and pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the, the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let it drop away. When it had, when and when it was about daylight, Paul urged them to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been waiting and going without food and having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is the is for your survival, since none of you will lose your a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And after he broke it, he began to eat. They all were encouraged and took food for themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not re recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea at the same time, loosening the ropes that held the rudders. And they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground, and the bow jammed fast and remained immovable, while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so that no one would swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump aboard, jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow some on planks and some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. You got to stay with the ship. According to that verse, you got to stay with the ship. This is 2022, but you have to stay with the ship that you've been traveling on all these years, whether it be last week or last night or 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you got to stay with the ship. And that ship is our our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But in this in this passage, you know, there's four anchors that they th they put out the back of the stern of the boat. And they drug those anchors to slow the progress of the boat because it was being driven uh, amazingly fast through the Adriatic Sea, tossed to and fro like uh, every, every uh, you can find that in James chapter 1. Every double-minded man is tossed to and fro by the waves. That's what was happening here. They didn't know where they were going. They had no idea the island that they set foot on, but God had a plan. Remember I mentioned Brett and Nona being stuck in Brazil? 
God had a plan. Paul had to get to Caesar, but there was an island that needed to be, be preached at. And that island we know is Malta. Okay? We know that it's Malta. God had still work for Paul to do before he got to Caesar. And you know what? Brett and Nona, you know, they, before they came home, God had a work for them to do in Rio. I am convinced of it. I've been with Brett. He don't go anywhere without preaching the gospel. He's just a bold, evangelical, missionary pastor. There's four anchors on which to cling in this passage. Verse 27, chapter 27, verse 29. Fearing that they might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. The stern, of course, is the back. Anchor number one, forget what lies behind, Paul said. Forget what lies behind. Neither did they, neither did sun or stars appear for many days in verse 20. Hopelessness, the hopelessness of your past is nothing for God. You can forget what's left behind. Those days are over. Once you became into Christ, and we'll be getting into the Scriptures, you're a new creature. The Word of God says that the old things are passed away. Yes, there's scars left from what you did, and there's even consequences. But you need to forget what lies behind, because you are a new creature now. You are a new creature. All the old things have passed away. The hopelessness of your past, who you were, has now changed. You're getting a second chance at life. Scars, don't, scars of your life just show you where you've been, but they don't have to dictate your future. They should direct your future instead of dictate to you your future. The devil will sit there and bring condemnation upon you, and you'll stay in that, that, that storm forever. But God says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. There's going to be conviction from the Holy Spirit because that's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit has come, to convict the world concerning sin and concerning righteousness. They didn't see the stars or the sun for many days. It looks like about 14 days here. They're hopelessly driving it, you know, being driven by the wind and the waves. They didn't eat for, for those 14 days. They probably, these were sailors for the most part, but they were most likely seasick because being tossed around like that, they probably couldn't eat. And if they did eat, they wouldn't keep it down for long. Maybe you have some dark storms going on in your life. But it's time for you to cling on to some of the broken pieces of the ship and, and, and be able to survive. For those dark storms now in your life, you can cling to that cross. You remember, you remember when Elisha was teaching the prophets and they were cutting down you know, the, the trees and the axe head fell into the water and it was a borrowed axe head and the, and the Hebrew... Um, prophet that felt really bad because he borrowed it and he couldn't get it back but that thing sank to the bottom and here comes Elisha he tells Elisha he says Elisha he told his friend and he said it's borrowed Elisha I got to have it back so what did he do he broke off a stick from a tree he threw it on the water and the axe head floated I'm telling you here today that tree is the Lord Jesus Christ he was crucified on the tree and if you, let, if you hang on to that tree, your life is going to start floating around. It says in the Scriptures, you know, Isaiah 40, 31, that they who wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll walk and not be weary. They'll run and not faint. That doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect, but that means you're going to have what it takes to soar in those, in those windstorms or the ravaging sea or whatever. You notice an eagle out in the world, you know, an eagle flying. You don't see eagles around here. I saw an osprey the other day. It was kind of cool. You know, he was hunting, and he was just, he would flap his wings and go higher, and then he would turn around, and he'd stay in the same place and never move his wings. And I figured he must have his eye on something down there. Well, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and you aren't going to be moved. This osprey, but an eagle 
You know, an eagle will fly, and he'll fly for sometimes, I don't know, an hour. Never flap his wings. He'll just float with the air currents and spiral up and down. Before you know it, you see him never flap his wings, going in a circle. But every time he circles, he's going higher and higher and higher. And that's the way you can be. If you forget what's lying behind and cling on to the, the cross, the wooden cross that Jesus was crucified on. This was no small storm, says the scriptures in verse 20. I didn't read verse 20. But listen, today we have categories for hurricanes. Cat, cat 1 is 74 to 95 miles per hour. A cat 2 is 96 to 110 miles per hour. A cat 3 is 11, 111 to 129 uh, miles per hour. A cat 4 is 130 to 156. And a cat 5 is 157. Who knows where? When I was in the sign business, I had to design signs that would withstand 150-mile-an-hour winds, according to the South Florida Building Code. We had to really beef those things up. This was no small storm, and these soldiers, sailors, knew it. They were drifting 14 days in the Adriatic Sea, and if you look up the Adriatic Sea, it doesn't look that that wide. I mean, it's wide, but it's not that wide. That means they were being tossed to and fro all over the place. And that's what the storm in your life may be doing to you today. You need to forget that because now you're a single-minded man. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But a single-minded man has focus. And you need to focus on that cross. You need to focus on that, that branch that was thrown into your, your cesspool so that you can float to the top like an eagle. They, you know, wait upon the Lord. What's uh, Isaiah 40? Let's see, it's Isaiah 40, 40, verses 1 through 3. Let me look it up for you. Just skip my mind here for a moment. So it's Psalm 40. I'm sorry. Psalm 40. That's probably why I couldn't identify it. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my foot upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in him. You know what? You may be in that miry pit. You may be being swallowed up by, by what lies behind you, but you have a new start. You can put your foot on a solid rock, and that anchor number one is Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried, and risen according to the Scriptures. That's anchor number one. Anchor yourself in Christ Jesus and forget what lays behind. Job in the Bible was hopelessly lost he he wanted to die he wanted to die but elipaz his friend comes up to him he's the youngest of the friends the other friends were were older and they they, had, they were supposed to have wisdom but they didn't have wisdom they had condemnation for job here comes elipaz he's the youngest and he's i think the fourth the fourth friend in chapter 3 in chapter 4 verse 3 here's what he says Nelepaz is given Job because Job's in a storm. He's, he's remembering that he's been, been hurt all this time. He lost his family. He lost everything. Here's what Elipaz says. Verse 3 of chapter 4 of Job. Surely, Job, I'm going to interject Job, okay? Surely, Job, you have instructed many people. You have strengthened weak hands. Your words have held, upheld him who was stumbling, Job, and you have strengthened these feeble knees of many people. But now trouble comes upon you, and it touches you, and you are troubled. Is not your reverence and confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? Remember now, who ever perished being innocent? Or where were the upright ever forsaken? What a beautiful message for Job. Hey, Job, you helped other people. 
What you sow is what you reap. Now you're in a storm. Remember what you preached. Hang on to it, Job, because God will get you out of this. You've helped others. You know it works. Where in the scriptures did you ever see the righteous man forsaken? That was good advice, and that's advice to you. I don't care where you're at, what's going on. It's coming from this pulpit of Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. You hang on to, to the cross of Christ. You hang on. Your knees might be knocking. Your elbows might be knocking. Your head might be hurting. You might think you're ready to die. But I'm telling you what, forget what lies behind and press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You must be born again, said Jesus. In John chapter 3, John chapter 3, I'll read it for you. I'm going to read seven verses. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is the New King James. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for you could not do these things that you do. See, the blind were... Were, were seeing, the deaf were hearing, the lepers were being cleansed, the dead were being raised. Nicodemus recognizes it. He says, I know you wouldn't be able to do these things if you weren't from God. You have to be from God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. You must be born again. For those of you out there that think you're born again and you're still living the same cruddy life, you're still living in that, that cesspool, you haven't forgot what lies behind, you're still living in what lies behind, then you aren't born again. I'm telling you the truth because I love you and I want to see you in heaven. You need to be born again. And then Jesus goes on and he says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old, can he enter back in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh is flesh, Nicodemus. That which is born of spirit is spirit, Nicodemus. Do not marvel what I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows. You don't know where it comes from, but it comes. You must be born again, church. I've had people tell me that there's no being born again in the Bible. They say, well, I'm Catholic. I said, go get your Catholic Bible. They bring it down. I show them these verses, and they go, whoop. I tell you what, if, if your pastor isn't telling you the truth, you should leave that church and get into one that's preaching and teaching the full gospel of Christ. You must be born again. You need to forget what lies behind. You need to get rid of it. You might lose a few friends. I told a family member just this week at Christmas. I told it was it was uh, Christmas Day. I told him. I says you gotta. You know what? You you want a spiritual walk? He accepted Jesus last time me and Liz were with him. He he moved to Tennessee. He was back in town. He and he's telling me all this. I says first thing you gotta do is get rid of all your friends. Because they aren't your friends. They're leading you down the wrong path. Either you bring them with you or you let them be. You're going to lose some friends. Because, because they like the miry pit. And so do you. But you need to get out of it. You must be born again. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. You were born in, in flesh from your mother's womb. But you need to be born again in your heart to the spirit of the living God that raised Christ from the dead. Therefore, Paul tells the Corinthian church, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Listen, the old things passed away. No, no it doesn't say you live in the old things. They said they passed away. They're gone, never to be talked about again. Listen, you're in a, these guys are in a storm uh, for their life. And uh, I just finished in John in Matthew chapter 8, the storms, last thing before Christmas. And we studied the storms. And I'm just going to bring a few out of it. I showed you that the storms of life are inevitable. 
They're going to happen. Some storms are for God's glory. Some storms are for correction. Some storms are for direction. And that's where Paul is right here in this storm. It's direction. He knew he had to get to Caesar, but he had no idea that God had worked for him on Malta. See, the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his step. That's what happened to Brett and Nona in Brazil. I wish they would have made it back for Christmas. But Brett and Nona planned their ways, but God directed his path. And they ended up in Rio so they could witness to some people. I'm sure about it. I know Brett, like I said. And I know Matt will agree with me. Most of you would probably agree with me because you know him. And there's also storms of opportunity. There's storms of opportunity. There's other storms, too. We, 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 you know, storms reveal your weaknesses. Storms re reveal God's ability. Storms create in us a desire to be with Jesus. And hopefully this miry pit that you're in out there is giving you a desire to be with Jesus and invite him into the boat with you. Storms last just as long as God wants them to, just so you know that. You've got to learn what you've got to learn. Say, Lord, show me quick so I can get out of the storm. Adjust your, you know, storms cause you to adjust your priorities. Get rid of your deadbeat friends that are smoking crack and drugging and drinking uh, alcoholic beer and getting drunk. God reminds us also in this storm that we, he, he owns us. And it's time for you to live up to the ownership and follow after him. There's storms of protection. This is another God's protecting uh, Paul in this. And not only Paul, but 275 more sailors. God's protecting them just because of Paul. God protects other people because you're witnessing to them. Storms should one thing for sure, not separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. For God already demonstrated his love towards you, and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for, for you. Paul also tells us in Philippians 3.13, forget those things which lie behind, this is anchor number one, and reach forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, I press on or I pursue as a goal the prize promised by God, which is a which is heavenly call in Christ Jesus. One of the family members said to me uh, not too long ago, and just maybe a month ago or so, uh, you know, they were kind of like in a nice way trying to mock me. And I, when I told them, I says, listen, I have a calling from God on my life. Boy, did that shut the mouth real quick. When I say God has a calling for me, and I've accepted that call. I've accepted that call. I remember, I was telling someone this morning in the church, I remember my dad and I sitting in a bar before I was saved. We were drinking, and dad was telling me of his, my, his trip. He was in every ocean on the face of the earth during World War II. He was a merchant marine. He was in the South Pacific, and there was a Japanese sub that lapped on, latched onto five tankers in the fleet. And he, the sub sank four of those tankers. And my dad prayed and he said, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And dad came home and he told me at that bar, I did a lot of forgetting. And I thought when my son was born, he was going to be a preacher. I could have sworn he used to come home when he's five, six, seven, eight years old. He'd say, Daddy, Daddy, I led Billy to the Lord. Can I give him my Bible? And I said, absolutely. And now, as much as I hate to admit it, he's a blasphemer. What happened? So you know what God said? Okay, Joe Sr. and Joe Jr., I'll take Joe Trapani, the middleman, and I'll use you. Because when I made a commitment to God, it was not a fake one. And it took a lot of years and a lot of pain and a lot of agony, but here I am. I can guarantee you one thing. I wouldn't be on this pulpit or even on my feet if God didn't have the calling on my life and he protected me in the storms that were about to come. Listen, you have a bunch of scars, but God's going to give you eternal life. 
He's going to give you the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead over these scars. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you rest. He's going to give you compassion for those who are lost. Last time I was in Brazil, me and Matt were there. We went down to Recife by the uh, the ocean, I guess it was. I don't know. It might have been a river. These little kids, this big enough, they were hooked on glue, sniffing glue. Their minds were half blown. We had to have compassion on them. You sit there and you go, oh, God. Listen, if, if you're struggling with your walk for God, join up with a missionary team and go on a missions trip for a couple of weeks. And wake you up. Better yet, for you you men, young boys and men that have no discipline, go join the army. They'll straighten you up. And then you'll learn discipline, and you can learn how to follow the discipline of God. You know, God will give you forgiveness for all the things you've done. You could have murdered. I've had people tell me that they murdered this person. God has forgiven them. They were changed people. He's going to give you, for your wretchedness, he's going to give you his holiness. You need to press on. You need to, it's like a butterfly in a cocoon, or a, not a butterfly in a cocoon, but a, but a caterpillar. You know, he has a bunch of scars. He's ugly. He looks bad. He's got a thousand legs or whatever. But he goes into that cocoon, and he works himself, tries to get out, and in that he strengthens himself. You've been in this cocoon all your life, and you're strengthening yourself trying to get out, and you can't. the worst thing to do would be let that caterpillar out because its wings will never develop. But God is developing your wings while you're in this storm, and he's, he's calling you to a responsibility to do it. Your, your scars will lead you to press on. You'll enter that cocoon, and you'll struggle, and you'll try to please God. But in the end, as you struggle with all those, those wounds, you're going to be a great leader in the Christian church, teaching other people how to conquer those things through Christ who helped you do it. So that butterfly comes out, a beautiful creature, floats in the air, pollinates other Flowers, and before you know it, there's flowers all over the place because one caterpillar walked into that cocoon, or spun that cocoon, I should say, and then struggled to get out, and now he's out, and he's doing beautiful things and pollinating other flowers. Before you know it, a flower follows you. Your walk, once you come to Christ, should be loaded with flowers that follow people that have accepted Jesus or you were planting uh, beautiful seeds in in their lives, causing them to become beautiful Christian people. As we grow old, the beauty of the Lord gradually moves from the the outside because we're young and beautiful. But as we get older, the beauty just moves from the outside to the inward heart. That's why. Psalm 31 or Proverbs 31 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who loves the Lord, and that goes for men too. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who pleases the Lord shall be praised. That goes for every believer. I have flyers on the desk back here. Actually, they're right here. <laughs> okay. You know, flowers. There's those, a beautiful young lady here. It says some people, no matter how old they get, never lose their beauty. They merely move it from their faces to their hearts. Beautiful young lady here, but now she's older and she's just moved. I've seen a lot of those older people, and their beauty is amazing. Their beauty is just amazing. I don't know if we're going to get all four anchors today. But I'm going to move to anchor two. Anchor number two. You have a new future. Acts 27, 24. Acts 27 and verse 24 to 26. And said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary. Lest this is an angel. Let's go to 23. For last night an angel of God, of, who, of God whom I belong, for last night an angel of God stood 
by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just as the just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. See, Paul had no idea where it was going either. Don't be afraid, anchor number two. You have a new future. Don't be afraid of your new future. The devil's going to sit there and say, hey, you don't want to be a Christian. They'll call you a Jesus freak. They'll call you a holy roller. You need to say, so what? So what? You, who have been called to be a Christian, you must stand before your family. You must stand before your spouse, your children, your in-laws, your mother, your father, your grandparents, who knows? And you need to do it unashamedly. Paul, is right here, is unashamed of what he's telling them. Hey, I walked up to you, so I saw an angel this morning. They're probably going, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. No, Paul had no hesitation. That's why he wrote in Romans 1.16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God. Every one of you that leaves Scripture out of your witnessing, that's the power. It's in the Word. Use it. The Word of God is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intention of a person's heart. We need to grab onto this, Christian. You have a new future. You can't be afraid. Paul wasn't afraid to witness that. There was 275 other men on this ship, and he isn't ashamed. Even as, as Roman centurion, which probably most likely was a pagan, along with all the sailors. If you went to Malta now, and I've researched it on the Internet, Malta is loaded with Christianity. I mean, they got big temples, beautiful things. And even offshore, they, the researchers have found four anchors in the ocean. They're not sure that it's actually those four anchors, but most likely they, they say that they are. Listen, this is not a fairy tale. As I tell you, David and Goliath isn't a fairy tale. Daniel and the lion's den isn't a fairy tale. Jonah and the great fish is not a fairy tale. It's a truth. Jesus even established that when he talked about Jonah and the whale. He actually, he actually agreed with it. Telling you that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, and three days later he did. He was spit out of the whale, and three days later I will be in the earth, and three days later I will rise out of the earth, and he did. I don't know any other leader that has ever done that. And by the way, you followers of who knows who, where is your leader anyhow? And if he's still alive, you know he's going to die someday. And you're going to be without a leader. And the only leader that's going to stack up is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is risen. Behold, God has granted to you all who are sailing with you just because you are a Christian. God's going to grant you some family members. Do you see that? What a blessing. Maybe all of them not going to come. If we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Acts 16, 31, you shall be saved. And then it goes on and says, and your household. But he was talking to Cornelius, and that did happen. Now, if God speaks that directly to you, claim it. If he doesn't, you know, it's, it's the word of God. It hasn't been ramally spoken to you. But God will save some of your family members. You don't know who, so don't shut up. There's no hibernation for a Christian. You don't go to church on, uh, you don't hide out as a Christian during the week, and on church on Sunday, you're the holiest ruler in the place. No, you don't do that. You don't go into hibernation. You're a Christian every day. That's why we did Christmas songs today, because it's still Christmas. Because it's Christ's day, and it will be Christ's day until he pronounces judgment, and, and what can I say, and... Uh, sentence on the devil when he's thrown into the lake of fire for the last time. I asked Jesus just yesterday, Lord, I would like to have a front row seat at that one. 
And I said, you know what, I guarantee I, I, I wouldn't die if it was prepared for someone else, but I'll accept the seat that you'll give me. But I'm going to be praising God when that evil, ugly, worthless, and defeated devil was thrown into the miry pit. What a day that is going to be. Boy, we got a lot of good days coming up. Next is going to be the rapture, I hope, and we're out of here. Then there's going to be the wedding feast of the Lamb. And then there's going to be, you know, we're going to be in the kingdom with God. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be married to him. We're going to see all our brothers and sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our aunts, our uncles, our spouses that have departed early. What a blessing. You know what? As a Christian, you have so much blessing. You've got to be foolish not to receive Christ as your Savior. But we must run aground on a certain island. You may hit the rocks, church, but your life will be spared. Even if your life is taken, your life is spared because you're within the kingdom. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. Though you were dead, yet shall you live, and whosoever lives and believeth in me shall never die. Oh, God. You don't realize how, how blessed we are? Yes, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus even told us that in John 16, 33. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, I have overcome the world. So how are you going to overcome this world? By hanging on to a piece of the broken ship, the tree that's floating in the Adriatic Sea or in your sea, your miry pit of a sea. The island's Malta. Certain people had to be saved on that island. Certain people had to be saved on that island. God knew that there were people there ready for, to accept Christ. These natives were friendly, but they were generous. They were friendly and they were generous. And God sent them, them to them. You know, Paul, they were generous to, 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 the, to Paul and the stranded soldiers and prisoners. But... They saw Paul go out and gather sticks, and he reached into the stick to grab a stick, and a viper hang on to him, bit onto him, and he just shakes it off in the fire. Those natives think, hey, he's, he's a prisoner. He's going to die for sure. He must be a murderer, but he just kept on working, and the, the snake falls into the fire, and is the viper, and he is destroyed, and Paul just keeps on going, and these natives who were obviously, uh, you know, uh, superstitious. They obviously saw him working. How come he didn't die? He must be a god then. We better listen to what he has to say. So God is setting the scene so that people can be saved. Praise God. There was people on Malta that needed to hear the gospel. Publius was one of them. He was the leader of the island. And then Paul went and healed a whole bunch of other people after he healed Publius. Publius, and that's why you'll see Malta is loaded with Christianity today. I hope there's a remnant, a true remnant of Jesus Christ there. Because people get wrapped up on gold and silver and all kind of beautiful temples. Listen, you're the most beautiful temple God wants to ever see. He don't care about gold and silver. He cares about heart and soul. People needed to hear the gospel. And that's why Peter, probably knowing of Paul's, Paul's detour, said, For God's not slow and in his promise, that he's patient towards us, not wishing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. You're going to have tribulation, but you're an eagle. You need to fly above it. You get a bird's eye view instead of a on earth view, somebody's pointing a weapon in your face, you're scared to death. You get a bird's eye view and you see what God has to say about it and all the fear disappears. The devil has been very successful in planting fear even in the Christian church today. I'm not saying be unwise. I'm saying don't fall for his line of fear. He is a defeated foe. It was even written that would be done in Genesis 3.15. It was completed in, in, at the cross of Calvary. Last week when I did this, the, uh, the, the uh, spiritual Christmas, you know, 
And the devil says, I'll kill you, Christ. And God says, go ahead, make my day. He had every intention of dying for you because he loved you so much. You have a new future. Anchor number two, hang on to that new future. Because you are now a new creation. The old things are passed away. If you're still living in those old things, I'm telling you, you may not be a Christian. Just because you raised your hand in a church service and said, oh, I believe. No, if there's no fruit that follows, you better test yourself and make sure you are a believer. I'm not going to send you no frilly message so that you can think you're a Christian and end up in hell. I'm going to tell you the truth. You must be born again. You must get up out of that miry pit. You must have fruit that follows your life. Fruit, good works, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and even souls you have won to the gospel of Christ. You were born again. Remember the caterpillar, the cocoon, and then the butterfly? That's you. You were in the miry pit. If you've accepted Jesus, he took you up out of the miry pit. You have some struggles to do. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.3. He says, endure hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. Endure hardship with me. You're going to have some hard times. But you're a disciplined soldier. You can get through it, and you will get through it because you've been in that cocoon, and you're growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're becoming a butterfly. After much struggle, maybe witnessing the people that laughed at you, being mocked, being called names because of Christ, the Bible tells us you're going to soar like an eagle. Blessed are you when men hate you and spurn your name as evil for my name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven, says Luke in 6.22. Great is your reward in heaven. Jump and leap for joy, Christian. I'm going to end it there with anchor number two. We got two more anchors next week. So if any of you out there over the Internet have not clung on to the broken cross of Christ and been floating, if you don't grab onto that cross, you will eventually sink and drown. Hang on to Christ. And believe me, you'll be floating to the surface just like that iron axe head. Do it now with all your heart. You don't have to say some filly prayer. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your message goes forth and with power and authority and people hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And may you receive all the glory for it. For great are you, Lord, who saved us. Thank you, Father, that we get to celebrate your birth, your death, your resurrection every day of our life. We love you with all of our heart. To you be the glory, Father, as we glorify your Son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless the church. I love you all.